Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is Dee, and welcome to episode 82 of the Benzo Free Podcast. Sorry, I missed our last couple weeks, and I was in Kansas City. Uh, my mom was in the hospital. She's having more complications. And we had to try to find her a psychiatric hospital to get her moved into after a week in the hospital and another facility after that. And and she just needed some extra care and, and stuff. And, of course, my dad is also in a different care facility with Alzheimer's, and it was just a lot going on. I can honestly say that those of you who deal with elder care, who have to deal with um, aging parents or complications about that. I I understand. Um, I, I now get it. I understand the severity and the overwhelming nature of, of handling all this. It, it's been a lot. It's been a full-time job for me since January and one that I'm just trying to get through. And I am getting through, as I mentioned in my previous podcast. Surprisingly, I'm handling a lot more than I thought I could but it still gets overwhelming. And I have now taken six trips from Denver to Kansas City, round trip, um, since January. And I'll be taking a few more here coming up pretty soon too. So we also have a house to sell. We have to do an estate sale. We have to clean it out. <laughs> we have to get it ready. <laughs> we just got rid of one of their cars. I mean, just all the details, because this happened suddenly and there was really no prep for when both of my parents had to go into extra care facilities. And so in January, it all just hit suddenly um, for various reasons. And I want to go into those now. It's not important. But so everything was just just hit suddenly. And so we're trying to catch up and do what we can. Anyway, I, I do want to talk real briefly about it and then we'll move on. I know this is kind of a negative subject. I'm not trying to be negative, but I need to mention this, that I want to check in to see how you're doing. I understand many of you are probably feeling hopeless alone, desperate, depressed. Some of you are probably even having suicidal thoughts, and I want to make sure that you know that there is help and that benzo withdrawal in no way is hopeless, even though our brains, that irrational side of the brain that seems to be elevated during this time, keeps wanting to tell you that it's false, it's wrong, it's a lie. There's a lot of hope through benzo withdrawal. Yes, this can take time. Yes, it can be severe at times. And yes, hearing other people's stories can sometimes be a trigger. That's why we always put trigger warnings. Or I try to always put trigger warnings in front of telling stories that are more difficult to hear so people who can be triggered by those can skip over those and just focus on the positive. And that's also another reason why we try to bring as many success stories and positive stories and share those on the podcast as much as possible. 
but I still believe that sharing Benzo's stories are important, even if they can be negative, because so many of you have written into me and said, it connected with you. You now understand that if I only shared happy stories, those of you going through a difficult withdrawal would think this is not real. You couldn't relate to that because that's not the real experience for some people. It is for others, but for so many of you, it's a difficult experience, and we share those stories so people feel connected. But we got to be careful not to hear those stories and think and tell ourselves that this will be me, because it won't. Everybody's story is completely different. And don't forget the people who write into us are usually some of the people who are struggling the most. That's why they listen to the podcast. That's probably why you do. And that's why they share their stories, because it has been an extreme story. All the people who have had it easy, few of them ever listen to this podcast because they don't need the support. And there's thousands of people like that out there. So many who have successfully withdrawn with little or no difficulty. Or they've had some moderate difficulty, but they've gotten through it. So I just want to I want to try to emphasize the hope that, please, if you need, if you're feeling suicidal or anything like that, please get professional help. We have resources on our website at easinganxiety.com resources. There's a whole section on suicidal um, prevention, suicide prevention there. So please check that out and look into that. And remember that, as Ashton mentioned, this is manageable. Benzo withdrawal is manageable. Please remember that this is temporary. Even if it takes months, for a few of us, it might even take years. But everything we've seen says it is temporary, that we do heal. Please remember that there is a lot of hope for benzo withdrawal. And we're learning more and more. We're finding new treatments and new processes and new information. We're creating clinics. We're creating more research. There's so much good stuff coming down please remember that this is a temporary condition. We heal. We're going to get past this. You will get past this. So just please hang in there. Sorry about that. Didn't mean to make the introduction kind of dark, and I'm not trying to go there. It's just some things have happened um, over the past few months, and I wanted to make sure that you understood that I understand the suffering as best as I can of so many of you, and that we are here to help. Um, I'm here to help. There are organizations that are here to help. You are not alone. You will get through this. So just hang in there. Try to find something positive. Try to find, try to cling to those good days, those good feelings, and realize that this is manageable and you can get through it. Anyway, um, today our format will include our introduction, which you just heard, our mailbag, and our moment of peace. Peace, peace, <laughs> however I say that. Our mailbag is the focus of today's episode. I always love the episodes where we hear more from you <laughs> than from me. So I love these because I love to hear from you and I love to, you know, comment on some of the stuff you've shared. So also before we move on, don't forget, we'd love to hear from you. Comment on the videos on YouTube, on our podcast posts, or VR feedback form on the website at easinganxiety.com feedback. And while you're there, perhaps you might want to subscribe to our mailing list or even donate, you know, <laughs> to support the work we do. Every little bit helps. And last but not least, the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes only and should never be considered medical advice. 
Oh, anyway, so let's move on to our mailbag. As I slow down my talking a little bit, I think I got a little speeded up there. So <laughs> let's move on to our mailbag. Our mailbag is our feature today, and since we have so many to share, I have a lot of comments and questions in my queue. I thought, let's just focus on one section today, and that is on comments from our YouTube channel. So, from these are... <laughs> I have been getting a lot of tongue-tied lately. Some symptoms have come back lately. I can honestly write them off as being mostly triggered by stress. So please don't freak out that I'm starting to get more symptoms. I'm getting them because I've been extremely stressed lately. So, but one of my symptoms that I do have now when I get stressed too much is I get tongue tied. And so if you hear that here, I'm leaving it in because it's what we do. It's what we do in benzo withdrawal. But these are going to be YouTube comments that people have commented to on our benzo free YouTube channel. And let's just dive right in. Why waste any time? Our first two comments are all from the same person. Um, this is from Viper7777 on YouTube. And I have two different, two separate comments from Viper, and I kind of wanted to comment on both of them. So here's what Viper said. I also suffered from protracted withdrawal from clonopin after a 13-year usage and CT'd. But I truly believe it's not actually withdrawal we suffer from after many years, but instead a type of temporary brain injury. I think we all need to look into changing how we define the terminology. Just food for thought. Well, thank you, um, Viper. Let's comment on this first one, then I'll share the second one from Viper. But I, I agree. In fact, um, there's a lot of discussions going on. And I may have mentioned this in a previous podcast, but we are in a lot of different circles, I think, in the benzo community and in the medical world in the medical professions with, with, in the, the, the see, there I go <laughs> within the, what am I trying to think of? The medical industry, you know what I'm saying? Within medicine, it will go with that. But there's a lot of people that have been discussing changing terminology. Right now we call it benzodiazepine withdrawal or protracted benzodiazepine withdrawal or other things that are related to, and there's a lot of different ones, but brain injury has come up a lot. And there's I think there's a lot of truth behind that. I would agree with you, Viper, that I think the terminology is important. As we've learned, we learned the big difference between addiction and dependence, and that terminology is very important in what we do. But I also think how we identify what the damage has been done is also important. I think brain injury is a term that we might be going towards. And I really appreciate that comment. So yeah, this is an injury. It's an injury. It's a chemically induced injury. It's an iatrogenic injury for most of us. And it's interest. I think it's important for us to identify that and to make a point of that. And also withdrawal, when we use the term withdrawal, it also conjures up addiction and other related aspects and other aspects that don't necessarily fit with dependence and what we're going through. So I do, I, th I think also for that reason, it's also important to maybe move away from withdrawal as being the terminology and more into brain injury as being the appropriate um, term. So great comment. This is being worked in several circles within the Benza community. And um, I thank you for that. Our second comment from Viper 7777 is as follows. 
I've been off Klonopin four years and feel the same. I watch something beautiful on TV, tears. Puppies playing, tears. Stories of hope, tears. I never used to cry. 13 years with no emotion, now it floods out. I would rather feel again than be an emotional zombie. I think this is normal when we are healing and processing again. I have so much to add here, but you know, I think I'd rather allow a true wordsmith to sum this up. Here's the quote. Heaven knows we need never be ashamed of our tears. For they are rain upon the blinding dust of earth, overlaying our hard hearts. I was better after I had cried than before. More sorry, more aware of my own ingratitude, more gentle. Those are the words of Charles Dickens in Great Expectations. And just as Viper said, our emotions can be suppressed by benzos, sometimes for years or even decades. This is not healthy, as we, as we all know. Releasing emotions, processing our emotions, is an essential process to good mental health. We need to allow ourselves to feel, to grieve, to be sad, and to feel joy, but to feel the spectrum, the spectrum of emotions that human beings can experience. It's healthy to cry, and if you've suppressed it for decades as I did, you, you have a lot of making up to do, as I did too, once I called the floodgates. Once those floodgates open, boy, it comes pouring out, and it still comes out. I almost broke down this morning crying. When I was in at the hospital with my mom this past week, I went to the bathroom probably two or three times to break down and cry because it was hard to see her in the state she was in. And we all go through this for different things. And it can be nothing. I can be watching an episode of an old sitcom and suddenly I break down and cry. It can be the most mild thing that triggers it. But I now cry regularly. And I not only welcome it, I encourage it sometimes. And I feel much better in the end. Those emotions build, especially with me lately. And when I get to build and I start breaking down, I just let it flow. And I sob. <laughs> Everybody in the house knows when I'm sobbing. And my wife, Shanna, she is the most amazing creature on this earth. And she comes over. Sorry, that's my computer kicking in. If you heard that, just some email coming in. But she comes over, hugs me, lets me pour it out. Or if I'm by myself, sometimes I go and hide in the closet and do it because I'm embarrassed. But it doesn't matter where you do it or how you do it. What's important is that we let those things out. And while benzos have been suppressing for many of us our emotions for years, that crying is a release and it's allowing it to come out and it is healthy to cry both mentally and physically so please keep that in mind thank you viper for those comments those are great our next one from our youtube comments is from stephanie stephanie says the following i'm starting this journey I i'm not sure why i want to be off these if i'm only to look forward to misery are there reasons is it better than staying medicated? I'm so unsure. I'm thankful for you and this podcast. Please don't stop. So many need you. I prayed for your family and the strength you need to get through it all. Thank you, Stephanie. And, and thank you so much for the prayers and for your, your kind words. 
you bring up a real good point. I don't believe, and this is just my opinion, that anybody should ever be forced to withdraw who doesn't want to. Number one, withdrawal can be very difficult. And if you aren't in, you know, if you aren't sold on it 100%, it's going to make it that much harder. But also because I don't think it's always the answer. Always is a big word. <laughs> 100% of the time is, is always. And I don't think for everybody that's the answer. For some people, it makes more sense to stay on a medication. So I can't make that choice for you. And I would never advise you on whether or not to withdraw or how to withdraw. Like I said before, I'm not a medical professional and I, I, can't, I can't advise you on those things. But I understand your dilemma. And I think you need to talk to your doctor and try to decide the best course of action for you. You mentioned, you said, are there reasons? And yes, there are reasons. There are long-term consequences, as we know. Now, for some, most studies do show the longer we're on them can add to the more likelihood of dependency. But some studies actually say it doesn't really matter how long or what dosage you're on. They do seem to vary. We don't really know for sure. But over time, most people eventually, or many people, eventually reach tolerance. So we'll start to get symptoms even before they've tapered. And then when they taper, those escalate. And sometimes when they come off fully, those escalate. So, and there are also other complications of long-term use. So of any use of benzodiazepines, um, increased likelihood of dementia is actually one of the ones that's been shown in some studies. More likelihood of falls, especially in the elderly. Cognitive decline, memory complications, um, as we mentioned just in the previous comment, lack of emotion, suppression of emotions that we need to process. There are, a, and that there's many other ones, many other downsides to these drugs. Every drug, every prescription drug has side effects. I don't think there's a perfect prescription drug out there without side effects. Benzodiazepines are no different. Like with anything, you have to weigh the pros and the cons and decide what's best for you. We're here to support those who wish to come off benzodiazepines, and we also want to help educate people about the complications from long-term use. But it is your decision in the end, so get the information, try to get educated, read the Ashton Manual, go to Benzodiazepine Information Coalition or the Alliance for Benzodiazepine Best Practices, get information from reliable sources like them, from our website, from other sources, and then try to make the best decision you can. Okay. We are not at all ever saying a blanket statement of everybody needs to withdraw. It is a personal choice. But if you choose to, you know, we are here to try to support you in that. Let's move on to our next comment. This next one is from Snafu. Snafu writes, still getting new symptoms? I, I thought everyone heals. I guess not. So although this ends for some, it's still not everyone. That's an interesting comment. And I agree. That's a comment, a question I get all the time is, do we fully heal? This is what Ashton mentions in her manual. All the evidence shows that a steady decline in symptoms almost invariably continues after withdrawal, though it can take a long time, even several years in some cases. So that's a question that comes up a lot. And as I mentioned before, the irrational mindset that we can wind up in in 
our taper during our withdrawal makes it very difficult for us to see the hope, to see the end game, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so we start to convince ourselves through ruminations and looping thoughts that this is forever. And it's not. It's not. We have no evidence that shows that this is permanent, okay? And even some people who have been on long-term healing paths, like myself and other people, have noticed complete healing at eight years out or 10 years out. I've seen this and I've spoken with some of them and I think I'm starting to see that. I'm getting stronger and stronger every day. And, and maybe I will, maybe I won't. Maybe I'll continue to have some of these symptoms that I have now. And guess what? If I do, that's okay. I've accepted my condition a long time ago and the limitations that come with it. And I'm moving forward in my life with those limitations. What else are we going to do? But to ask the question whether everyone heals, all the evidence that I see directs me to the fact that, yes, everyone heals. The problem is, is the length of that healing. Some people heal within weeks or months. Some heal within years. We don't really know. There's some, there's some indicators as to who's more likely to have a longer, a more protracted healing pattern, but we don't really know in the studies aren't really there to clarify the issue for us. So I hope that helps. I'm not sure if I really gave you an answer on that, but it was one I thought it was important to talk about. Our next one is from Not Me on YouTube. Not Me writes, When my anxiety hits hard, everyone and everything I perceive as a threat to my well-being. And I unwind alone. Then when my mind becomes more rational, I review my action, and, and I can see where I overreacted. And if I have to make amends to others who were there at that time, I do so. My doctor reduced my clonazepam down to a quarter milligram per day. I, I feel like I have permanent nerve damage. I pray that this will eventually heal. I have to stop listening to the lies and focus on truth, love, peace. I needed to hear this message of hope. Thanks again for all you do. Thank you, not me. Um, um, there's the ums that come in. <laughs> Great comment. And I understand. And, and, and it's, and it's it, like we, we were just talking earlier about the irrationality of our minds. And you mentioned there, when the kind becomes more rational, I review my actions and I can see where I overreacted. And I think so many of us do that. I, I did that many times. I would be more irritable or short-tempered or something during my, my withdrawal or confused or overwhelmed with feelings. And then I would come back later and say, hey, that was, that was a bad day or that was a bad hour. Thanks for sticking with me. Sorry about that. I think it's important to keep other people who are around you informed about the cycles you're going through. And, and I love what you said there about stop listening to the lies and focusing on truth, love, peace, the messages of hope. I truly believe that there's something to positive psychology. I don't think it's everything. I don't think there's a panacea out there for any of this stuff, to be honest. We're not that simple. We're complicated creatures. But I do believe finding positive things to be grateful for, to have gratitude, finding positive things to focus on, finding positive things to do in your life 
not only helps our mental state, but also can help our physical state and our symptoms and can reduce the severity of our withdrawal. I think it's a great message you're mentioning there, Nami. Thank you so much, and thank you for the comment. I love it. It was great to hear, and um, and thanks for that. Uh, let's, let's close this out with one more. I have one more real quick. This is from Fredumi, if I'm pronouncing it, and it's very short. Fredumi says, 33's there. We're going to back up and do that again. Fredumi says, 33 years on lorazepam. Any questions? Now that 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 comment, I think I think I know the direction this person's going, but I might be wrong. And if I am, I I I apologize. But I think what this person's saying is I've been on these for 33 years, probably with little problems. What's the issue? And we talked about that previously with the comment earlier about should should you withdraw or not? And I think it's a question that keeps coming up because it's a good question. Some people have been on these drugs for decades and have had little complications from them. And, and again, I'm not going to stand here and say, hey, you need to withdraw because I don't know that they do. Maybe they're doing okay with it. We still know so little about the real complications of long-term use. We know for some people, and for many people, actually, long-term use leads to dependence and dependence leads to a difficult withdrawal period and some very severe complications during that withdrawal. And even before the withdrawal with tolerance or inner dose withdrawal. But some other information has hinted at that's not everybody. There are some people who have come off the benzos after long-term use with little or no complications. There are some people who have taken them like this person for decades and perhaps have had little or no complications. The truth is we don't know why. We have, again, some indicators maybe in some areas, and we're still trying to put that together. We're trying to do some, some analysis on a lot of different data that we're finding all over the place, and we're trying to get that combined and make sense of it. But we need a lot of research, a lot of well-vetted scientific research, and that comes with funding and that comes with time. And we still need a lot of work on that. But sure, if I was on, if I was still on my clonazepam, I was on that for 12 years. And if I was still on it for 20 or 30 and not having any problems, I would have to seriously think of, as to whether I needed to stay on it or come off it. Knowing me, I probably would have still chosen to come off it just because I know who I am. I, I think I got in my head once I learned about the complications of long-term use of benzodiazepines. I got it caught in my head that this drug was destroying something within me. And that may be true. It may have been causing brain damage. I believe it was for me. So I wanted it out. In fact, I wanted it out immediately. I just wanted to stop. Thankfully, I read the Ashton Manual. I got information online, joined some discussion groups, and went to a doctor who actually wanted me to stabilize for six months, even before I started my 18-month taper. And I'm grateful for that. Still had a lot of problems, but I think it would have been a lot worse if I had cold turkeyed or if I had started the, with, the withdrawal or the tapering earlier when I wasn't as mentally stable as I became. But that's me. I wanted the drugs out. I didn't want to be dependent on a medication. I, I didn't want to take any more medications than I needed to. I think you got to find your own path. Please, please, everybody work with your physician or find a doctor you can work with if it's not the one you currently have. 
and decide what's best for you. Get educated, get solid, reputable information. Like I said, best sites, I think, are Benzodiazepine Information Coalition, the Alliance for Benzodiazepine Best Practices. We're going to put some more together, I think, through the Benzodiazepine Action Workgroup as we develop this further and further. Of course, our site, Easing Anxiety, please check that out and get some solid information on what's going on. Anyway, I think that's going to close out our mailbag. Let's go on to our moment of peace. If you have any more comments or questions, please send them in to us. We would love to hear from you. Now allow me just about 25 seconds for our disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical, health, or psychological advice, nor any other kind of personal professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benzofree podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. And that brings us to our closing, our moment of peace. It's just one minute, and it's an opportunity to quiet your mind a bit before you return to the chaos of the real world. Please remember that you should only do this if you are in a safe place where you can close your eyes, relax, and let the world pass by without you for a minute. Let's get started. Close your eyes and relax. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly. Let's do that again. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second and let it out slowly along with all the stress of the day. One more time. Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second. And let it out slowly, relaxing your entire body. Now just breathe slowly and naturally. Listen to the peaceful sounds of nature in the background as you relax your entire body and find the peace within. If your mind wanders, just gently bring it back to your breathing. Continue to do this for one minute.
Our next scheduled episode is episode 83. Thank you again for joining me today, and please, let us know how we did. Keep calm, taper slowly, and take care of yourself. I'll see you next time.